the nonprofit MBA purpose is to provide new business insights and fresh creative ideas for executive directors and their teams that will help them improve their organization. Here is your host, Stephen Holastic. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Holastic. I will be your host for today's Nonprofit MBA podcast. I am co-founder of Financing Solutions, and we, uh, for those of you who don't know about us, for the last 12 years have been the leading provider in the United States of lines of credit for small nonprofits. And yes, there is a company that provides lines of credit to nonprofits. It's been so hard in the past for nonprofits to get any type of financing and having a nonprofit to manage uh, uneven cash flow is just, you know, really, really helpful. Uh, and we have a sponsor for today's podcast. It's Arraise, A-R-A-I-Z-E. Arraise Fast Fund Online is a cloud-based accounting system that seamlessly integrates nonprofit fund accounting, fundraising, and payroll in a single solution. Uh, they're, they're actually designed by CPAs for nonprofits, which I'm a big believer on of having something that's specifically built for your industry. It's better to use that than to use something like QuickBooks and try to make it work. So if you are interested, please uh, visit their website at arraise.com, A-R-A-I-Z-E.com, or call 866-840-7449 and ask for Joe. One of the nonprofits that I'm on the board on, we switched to Arraise, so I'm not just uh, someone who's just doing an advertisement about them. We actually did switch them. We're really happy with them. They've been great. Today, I am very excited to be speaking with Cindy Wagman from Good, The Good Partnership. And today, we're going to be talking about how nonprofits can leverage fractional executives to level up. I think this is a great topic. I, I was excited when I saw this on my agenda for today. Um, Cindy Wagman is the president and founder of The Good Partnership, a values-driven, social justice-informed consultancy that is the home of the fractional fundraising movement that connects small nonprofits and the fractional fundraisers that serve them. So, Cindy, welcome to today's Nonprofit MBA podcast. Thanks so much for having me. So when we say fractional fundraising, what does that mean? Yeah, so... Fractional executives is this term that exists outside of the not-for-profit space. And the idea is that for small, I learned about it as a small business, but it's smaller businesses, smaller nonprofits that don't necessarily have the budget or capacity to bring in a C-suite level you know, marketer, finance person, fundraiser, what have you, but we still want someone in the role who's not just doing the work, but providing the strategy. And so this movement of fractional executives has been growing that allows small businesses and nonprofits to access that high level of support at a fraction of the price. And so with fundraising in particular, you're getting someone with 10, 15 plus years experience who comes in, they work with you, you get a fraction of their time. It's a fraction of what you would typically pay them. And they're going to, in a very unique consulting relationship, straddle the high level strategic direction with the day-to-day -day implementation. And so it really gives you a, a mini department uh, to do the work. 
Yeah, I, I have a lot of experience with this too. I'm 15 years ago, I brought on a part-time CFO uh, to help us get, um, for one of my companies, to, mm-hmm. to uh, help us work with the banks, uh, the, our banks to get us a line of credit because we were, we were uh, growing so fast. This is not with Finance Solutions, with another company I had. Um, and there's been other occasions. I mean, I do a lot, you know, there's, 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 you know, we're talking about, you know, C-level people, but there's, this is really common now. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, just to give you an idea, I mean, when we write this podcast up into a full article, I use someone from Nigeria to do it. Yeah. Right. Um, and you know, you could say, I, I if you have some, well, Listen, you got to realize the world is a global economy right now. And if you have some issues with uh, jobs going overseas, and that's different. It's still still fractional Mm -hmm. uh, work, right? Um, What you have to understand is I I don't even know if I would be able to do it financially if I kept it in the United States. Yeah. You know, Um, so, you know, it's worth me to send it overseas to get done and get the job done. And if I kept it here, I wouldn't. But, you know, that's, that's kind of a little different mm-hmm. topic. You know, I, we're talking to a lot of smaller nonprofit executive directors in this podcast and board directors too. Um, what is the stumbling block that mm-hmm. small nonprofit executive directors have about using fractional leadership. Yeah. Okay. So I I want to, cause I, I know you mentioned that it's a little different than, you know, hiring someone overseas. And I just want to get really clear on the difference before I answer your question. Please. So I also, I work, I have a virtual assistant who's based in the Philippines. She's amazing. And she's really great at small day-to-day tasks, but requires like she, she doesn't have the experience in my sector and in the business to really, for me to be able to hand off the what I would call the emotional load of the work, uh, which is the high-level strategic piece, which is what fractional executives do, unique from just outsourcing work, um, is that now I'm working with a fractional marketer in my business. And uh, with him, I expect him to come to me with a strategy instead of me coming up with a strategy and outsourcing it to someone else. And I think that that and which relates back to your question about the stumbling blocks, I think that there's a couple big ones. One is we don't know this exists. It is still relatively new out in the world. And so um, people are probably just learning about it for the first time now listening to you and I. So that's one big one is that um, it's new. And part of that as well is we are naturally skeptical about new things. And especially in our in our sector, we are very reluctant to adopt new things. Um, change is, is hard for people. It's even harder for small nonprofits. Um, and then the third big one, this is a big one, is that we're really bad at delegating. And I think that especially in smaller organizations where we're used to doing things our way and burning ourselves out in the process, but it's hard for us to be able to trust someone to do things either the way we would do it or or better. And what I've seen fractional executives replace is often sort of that junior full-time staff person. And we're used to with that junior full-time staff person having to manage 
them a lot, Uh, right? Like it requires more. And I've heard executive directors say, well, I'm just not going to hire because in theory, it should be easy. It should take work off my plate, but it actually adds work. And so I think we have gotten ourselves into the habit of just saying, well, I'll just do it myself. It's faster. It's easier because our budgets are limited. Usually the people we have to delegate to don't have the experience that we need them to have to be able to effectively delegate that emotional labor. And that's what I think we associate with. And that's why fractional executives is a really good opportunity because you're you're getting someone who can step in at that high level too and actually take the stress off your off your plate. Yeah, I'm going to add my two cents too from an op, my observation and um and and that that is it's the it's a culture that small nonprofits have of uh, I'll use this one word being cheap. <laughs> you know, they they always think, "Oh, if I spend money here. It takes away from my cause. And so they're so used to the idea that they have to do everything cheap, 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 right? And and that means doing it themselves, doing it with volunteers, doing it. And I, I would challenge everybody who's listening that you have to get out of thinking that way. Absolutely. And, and like so much so, this is the other part about this. What I've heard on a lot of my podcasts from from great guests is how uh, nonprofits do not raise enough money for internal costs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I forget what's the name of the the, the uh, like uh, overhead or yeah, uh, I can't think of the right operations. Yeah, I can't think yeah. of the correct term, but uh, I'll think of it in a second. But um, but what I would have done if I ran a nonprofit, uh, I know I know I'm on a board of a nonprofit, but if I, it, it's a, a, a dicey situation that nonprofit I'm involved with. It's it's, it's not worth explaining it. But um, I would uh, go to my one of my better donors, mm-hmm. or go find a really good donor, and say to them, "I need to bring on this part-time executive." Yeah, and yeah. it's going to cost us. Would you pay for that for me? Yeah, because I'm going to tell you right now. Anyone who's involved with your cause, a lot of them are business people Mm -hmm. and they get it. They get it. They get it. What I love about this proposition is that it's not actually more expensive than hiring a full-time junior person. And so you probably have the budget. If you're an organization that's starting to think about hiring for help around these areas, whether it's your your marketing or your um, financing or finances or HR or fundraising, you know, chances are you are starting to think about, okay, I need help in this area. Maybe we need to hire someone. But again, it's that cheap, like we just need to get the minimal, like the cheapest option. And so you probably have some budget, Um, It's just looking at how to step outside of this idea of like, what are you actually paying for? And how do I optimize my budget with more innovative ways to work with people? Um, And so the, the fractional fundraisers that I work with, and I have a network of almost 30 of them, if you hired one of them to work in your organization, it's probably going to be fairly comparable depending on where you are and all, you know a number of factors, but pretty comparable cost to hiring a full-time 
person who's kind of right out of school and who, again, adds more work to your plate instead of takes it away. So the, the interesting solution around fractional executives is that it's an investment. I 100% agree. You need to invest in your growth, but it's a smart investment and it's really optimizing. Like I'm not asking you to come up with $150,000 to hire a C-suite person. You know, you can get someone for around 50 or uh, really a fraction, right? So um, it's- and that's, really- and that's if it's full-time job. I mean, I'm sorry, correction. That's, that's, that's if it's a year assignment. Right. You know, a lot of these consultants, let's call them, you know, consultants, mm-hmm. they come on, they might only have a three month gig. Yeah. And and you get to, and it depends a little bit on the nature of the work. So when I hired my fractional marketer, we started with a three month contract. But when I encourage organizations to work with a fractional fundraiser, I would start with 12 months because with some investments, you need time for it to pay off. Yeah. And that is with fundraising in particular, you really need at least 12 months to start to see things take off. And fundraising, there are other things. I actually think marketing is similar, but the benefit that you derive from these functions is around consistency. It's doing the work consistently over time. There are one-off projects. There are definitely things like I'm working with I work with coaches and other consultants for projects, but with certain things in your organization, the magic, the payoff is that you are focused, you're getting the implementation, the day-to-day work done consistently over a long period of time. Um, As soon as you sort of stop, you lose the momentum. My friend, uh, Mike Dirksen, uh, talks about the flywheel of fundraising. And it's sort of like you build the momentum so that it keeps going and requires less work. But you have to get to that point where you have the consistent momentum. Um, so it, it depends on the function that you're you're hiring for. Um, I know for me, I have this uh, fractional um uh finance person in my business who does all the bookkeeping and and high-level. Uh, finance strategy, like we've been working together probably for five years, maybe six. And it's, I don't think about it at all anymore because the benefit to me is increased over time the longer I've worked with her. Yeah. I, I think that often uh, smaller nonprofits to uh, you have to challenge yourself to grow and a, a, as a as a as a leader as and as a manager and part of that is understanding the puzzle the pieces that you need to mm-hmm. accelerate growth yeah right um and you know you 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 have to grow as an executive director and part of that growth is understanding the people you need to reach bigger uh, ambitions because mm-hmm. you, you you may not get there yourself. You probably won't get your, there yourself right. and you're probably going to burn out in the process if you're not yes. already burnt out. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing is that we do need those investments and mm-hmm. having someone at that high level strategic space actually gives you your time back because there's the growth of your organization, which requires people. You need human capital. But then there's also the growth of you as a leader. And none of us can grow when we're in survival mode. 
And most executive directors are in survival mode because they're constantly doing the work of 10 people and they just don't have the help and then they're bad at delegating and it becomes the spiral where we get stuck and our mission gets stunted. And that's why investing in other people so that you can invest in yourself as a leader as well are they kind of go hand in hand and will I think and this is why I'm such a huge fan of this model is it will help level up your organization in a speedy way that just hasn't existed before this kind of help was there. Yeah. I mean, I'm a big believer in this and I believe that, um, and I, I'm, I'm, pra- I, I practice what I preach. Okay. Uh, I've built seven companies over 25 years and, um, they've, they're big, bigger companies and, not enough people, regardless of their executive directors or business owners, strategize enough. They don't yeah. do it on a weekly basis. They don't do it on a monthly basis. They don't do it on a quarterly basis. They don't do it on a yearly basis. And so if your nonprofit right now is $500,000 in yearly revenue, you need to sit down and say, how do I get to 5 million? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. You need to say that. And then you need to figure out how you're going to do that. Yeah. And uh, I'm just picking a number, but that, that, you know, three to yeah. 5 million is really, you know, yeah. where you what does can- the next level look like? Right. And also one of my favorite questions to ask is don't make decisions today as the organization you were, but what are the decisions you need to make as if you were that 5 million? Yes, organization, I agree. Right? We are, so stuck in the mindset of the past that we behave. And this is not like, if you look at the neural pathways in our brain, like our behavior is repetitive. We do what we've done in the past. And so we have to break out of that habit and routine and actually think about, okay, I'm going to put on my hat. We're a $5 million organization. What decision would I make around whatever decisions I'm making during that day? as that organization, because that is the only way I'm going to get to the 5 million. I have to make decisions aligned with that. Yeah. And like, just to give you an idea, I, so I typically every, almost every Friday after lunch would go to a coffee shop and look at my strategic plan. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now I only kept my strategic plan for, I only have a one page strategic plan. Okay. I only limit it to one page and even if you spend 15 minutes, 20 minutes every week looking at it, you're thinking of what you're, what you are saying is that we're thinking about the past. This forces you to move into the future. And, you know, one of the most important things going from $500,000 in yearly revenue, regardless of what it is to 5 million is you have to start envisioning what it's like. You will have to be out of doing all the things that you are doing now, which is the cook, the cook, the, the, the dishwasher, you know, you're doing everything. And yeah. who doesn't want to get out of that anyway? Honestly. No one likes it. No. I mean, we get used to it and we think it's the only way, but it's not serving you and it's not serving your mission. Yes. And in fact, it's probably harming both. You know, and, and not, yeah. On that note, I think one of the most important fractional consultants you should bring on is a coach. Mm, yeah, it's, a, it's the most important person first. 
Yeah. And that um, that's somebody who has prior experience in building a nonprofit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I, cause, cause then they'll understand the concept of fractional, mm-hmm. you know, consultants as well. And they'll be yeah. able to put the pieces together. Yeah. Uh, and it sort of circles right back to what, some of the stuff we were talking right at the beginning in terms of this is, these are meaningful investments in your organization and its impact. And we have to break out of this idea that it's not worthy of investment or that we're not worthy of investment um, or that this is the way things have to be. I hear that a lot. We have inherited as a sector, we've inherited this feeling that great things or good work comes with sacrifice, that we something has to give in order like for the better good. And usually that's us. And that actually does more harm to the work than good. And so we have to break out of this mentality and it's hard. The the way our brains are designed, we are creatures of habit. We learn things over time and then it becomes like we're not aware that it governs how we behave. And so we have all these stories running through our brains around, you know, what is our worthiness, um, what needs to happen in order to have an impact. And most of the time, it's actually not true. So we have to get out of that thinking and we have to see that investments, whether it's in people or ourselves or our infrastructure and technology, like all of these things are required to grow. And that's just part of like, if if that's what we want for our organizations, we have to get used to paying for things. And well, I, you know, listen, you're using the key word here, investment. And when you do an investment, you expect a return. So, I mean, that's the way it is. I would tell you this, if you're, uh, I agree with you. Um, it's sometimes it's really hard to make that decision. Um, mm-hmm. if it's a, it's a big amount of money and, um, I, if that's really a, a super concern, when you go to speak to that fractional consultant, you need to say to you, you need to pay for yourself mm-hmm. at the so, end of, at the end yeah. of this three months of the end of the 12 months, you need to, you know, I need to hit this goal. Yeah. Okay? And- well, it's interesting because that comes up a lot in our conversations with organizations and like, yes, I only want to work with organizations where I know I can raise them at least their investment in what they're paying for me. But it's, it is a, I'll give you a very specific example um, because with organizations and nonprofits, it's not just like bringing in money, right? It's where does that money go and what is it for? So sometimes organizations are really well positioned to bring in undesignated funding. If you're growing an individual giving program or, um, you know, sometimes major gifts, but one organization, we tripled their annual revenue in one year but a lot of that was project specific because that's what they were working with. And so then the return on the investment is there, but it doesn't necessarily pay directly for the fundraising position, if that well, makes sense. That's a, I, I, I think that's a bad execution of the plan because it should have been that they, you know, they, they should have raised enough money for indirect costs. You know? Yeah, and sometimes it's like, what do the funders allow you for overhead and stuff like that? It's very organized. Yeah, but everyone's so, so yeah. you know, I hear this constantly, and, and, and you know, 
everybody is afraid to ask for internal, you know, for funds. Everybody understands that. More and more foundations and major gift, major donors are starting to understand. But we, I agree, we have an obligation and responsibility to have these conversations. Yes. And we are reinforcing this mindset that overhead is bad when we can't talk about well, it. Well, everybody knows the stories of, you know, like United Way and a lot of the big organizations where 90, you know, I'm, I don't yeah. know the exact statistic that 98% of the money goes to internal, but, but you got to educate. You got to yeah. say this is important. I mean, people are afraid when it goes over 15%. Um, you know, and it's just, you know, listen, there's a lot of really good information out there. There's a lot of great conferences. You listen, the, the nonprofit NBA podcast, it has over 450 episodes and we have, I could tell you every guest that I bring on is, is exceptional in teaching you how to run a great nonprofit. It's the information is all there. Yeah. And that's why fractional executives I think are so helpful is because, most organizations, most small organizations, it's it's not the lack of information that's preventing them from growth, right? We actually know there's a ton of free information out there and most of it, not all of it, but most of it is really high quality. I can list 10, 20 podcasts that I would recommend in a heartbeat, yep. right? That's free and high quality and will teach you how to run your organization. It's not lack of information, most of the time is lack of implementation. And that's why you need hands on deck because you can't actually consume more information unless you get rid of some of your day-to-day work. Yeah, I agree. I mean, what I've seen a lot in my life is um, when you do have people who really stay up to date and read a lot or listen to a lot of podcasts or go to a lot of conferences, sometimes you get many people who do it too much and they don't (laughs) execute well. You know, I, I'd rather you, those type of people read or listen to half the amount of, or a quarter of the amount of it and execute better. Um, You know, listen, it's the exciting part of starting a nonprofit, being involved in a nonprofit is the idea, the, the un, uh, the, the less exciting part about is the actual execution, right? Mm -hmm. And, and the execution to helping people is 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 that is fun and exciting the less sexy part is building the internal operations it's the operations right but that's actually the most important part to the sustainability of your impact yeah i agree i i I think too is like stop i think the executive director and uh, maybe the board too they have to stop thinking that their job is to uh, not that ninety percent of their job is to get money to the people who need it, the cause who needs it. Your job, ninety percent of it, is to build a sustainable organization. That's your job. And unfortunately, I mean, there's a lot of executive directors out there who really miss the the feeling that they got that they get mm-hmm. from. Because they've done a good job of working on building yeah. the internal parts, but you've got to make that change, right? Yeah. Yeah. And understand, and I think this is such a big part of it as well, is first of all, there's a whole rant I can make around how bad our sector is in investing in people. So 
most executive directors who come from the front line, so to speak, or who are there because they are passionate about the work, they've never been trained on how to run the operations. And guess what? We don't like to do things we're not good at. It's human nature. And so the more we don't invest in our people to learn these things, the less it will get done. And at the same time, I think it's also very valid to say like not everyone is built to do all the work. And so figure out what lights you up and where you can add the most value to your organization and then bring in people to do the other parts. Yeah, I mean, you're right. You could bring in an op- maybe you could bring in an operations, you bring an operations person, person who's got the experience in, yeah, and you can bring you go in from a there. fractional operations yeah. executive. Like there's yeah. it does not have to be you don't have to know it's this um, catch 22 of like, we want you to know everything because you're irresponsible, but at the same time, it's not actually efficient for you to know everything and do all the things. Yeah. And how do you, and what that looks like at different phases of your growth will shift and change. So you need to know enough to be able to work with other people. But, and like right back to the beginning of this conversation is, If you're working with an an executive level, like a fractional executive, you don't need to know as much as if you were hiring someone that you had to fully supervise and manage because then you have to know it all. Yeah. The problem is, is that you, when you start your nonprofit and it's growing, um, you can't start to specialize in what you like to do until you reach yeah, a you certain revenue. Get, yeah, unfortunately, exactly. It's really unfortunate. And maybe it's just part of the importance. Maybe that's required because- as it's maybe it's a good idea that you've learned a little bit about every part of your nonprofit yeah. before you get to the five million and then you can start bringing on an operations. But at you know, your goal should be, and I think everybody really wants this at your goal should be, I want to get to this point because at that point I can start doing what it is that mm-hmm. I want to do. And yeah. then that, you know, and then you can start recognizing, oh, I'm really good at fundraising. Oh, I am really good at, um, you know, helping uh, my cons- my my constituents. Oh, I am really good at operations. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and that's what ex- that gets me excited every single day. Um, because you're going to go through the longer you're going to be in this role, the lo- the more and more you're going to change. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, which you should, and that's going back to this idea of investment. Like all of this, your investments. I would say as an organization, always reserve two buckets of resources as investments in your growth. One is financial, but the other is time. And you have to, as a leader, you have to make sure that every phase of your growth in the beginning, your time is going to be spent learning about finances, learning about operations, at the right size for where you are right now. And as you learn about these things, you change. You become someone yes. different. You become a different leader. Yep. And you will learn what resources you need in the future. But there's, as long as you keep investing, and again, not just financial, but financial is important, but your time. I hear from organizations all the time, I'm too busy to learn this. Well, you have if we're not constantly learning we're falling behind 
right? So make sure that part of, like you said, every week on Fridays, you would review your strategic plan. I look at that as a time investment in your growth. Maybe it's not like traditional learning, but it is taking the time to get out of the day-to-day weeds and think strategically. So those two combined, I feel confident your organization can continue to fulfill its mission in, in new ways as as you stay open to that. Learning. Yeah, well, I, uh, luckily, I liked, I, I loved doing that too. Yeah. So yeah. it was easy. Um, let me, let's just spend the next couple of minutes talking about what, what you've seen that smaller nonprofits have acts, like what fractional consultants, what mm-hmm. expertise is out there that you should think about depending on what size you are. So like what, an example of what I'm looking at, you could say to me, okay, well, we've already talked about there's fundraising, right? Mm-hmm. There's people yeah. who will help you build your fundraising funnel, like yeah. what you're doing, your events, uh, you know, and, fra- and also uh, fundraising can be broken down into a lot of different parts, right? It yeah. can be events, it can be big donor, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It yeah. can be um, um, online campaigns, uh, communication. Uh, yeah. I mean, what what am I missing here? Yeah. So, okay. What I would say is if your organization is like under half a million, you probably want generalists, right? You want a fundraising generalist who can do a little bit of all the things. Um, but I can, I have a whole list here of, of different functions that you can outsource through fractional executive. And again, these are positions that I would consider you have the hybrid of high-level strategic with day-to-day implementation and looking at consistent implementation. So fundraising, again, I would start with generalists, but you absolutely can outsource like, or can do this with legacy, giving major gift, grant writing, the list yeah, goes on. Yeah, grant writing, I forgot. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, evaluation and metrics, monitoring, program evaluation, human resources, finance, operations, marketing, and this is the last one is kind of like with a little asterisk, which is interim executive directors. So it's not the same in terms of long term, but oftentimes organizations going through change where they are without an executive director, an interim is a really good model to bridge that gap to help them find to have leadership in place until they uh, and it's actually good to have a little bit of a f- clean slate before you bring in your next executive director. So that's a not the same model, but also something organizations can consider. You know, I'll, t- I'll share the story. I don't know if it relates the best, but so I, I'm on this board of this uh, nonprofit. Uh, they we help um, uh, children who cannot get Halloween costumes. We get them Halloween costumes. So oh. I think ninety uh, percent of uh, the kids are foster. Kids, mm-hmm. Right. So everybody who thinks, oh, who, you know, and I'm, I'm sure this audience doesn't always think this way, but who can't afford a $15 or $80 costume and, and it foster kids can't. So, yeah. um, you know, it's, and that's a little, you know, for me to say that sounds a little, uh, not about foster kids, but $15. Right. But, um, but it really happens quite a bit in the United States. And so that's what we do. Uh, we get these kids costumes. And um, so I came on the board about eight, uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, two years ago. Um, 
and they had been around for about eight years, they had never raised money before. And they all did it through um, used costumes of volunteers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I tried to help them understand that we need to move to a fundraising campaign for a variety of reasons. They all, they, they agreed and they raised. So, so the first year we did it was last year and we raised $10,000 and they're like, Oh my God. Yeah. Wow. We raised $10,000. It's so much money. Right. And I, you know, and I said to them, I go, that is nothing. Yeah. It's a start. It's yeah. you have all you're all volunteering your time and you're giving in, you know, 30, 40 hours a week for this is not sustainable. Yeah. You're, you know, you're not going to be able to do this. And there was a variety of other things. And so they didn't know that ten thousand dollars was not that much not money. Yeah. yeah. And and that's why to the point and like I, if you're raising ten thousand dollars a year you're probably not ready to hire a fractional fundraiser yeah, so to speak. Right, right, right. you know but it's i mean i love that example because i think a little unrelated to this conversation but we're we think that people don't want to give we most people approach fundraising and they think well i have to coerce someone or i'm begging or like you know i have to convince them to do this thing because fundamentally they don't want to. And when I see organizations do these campaigns for the first time and raise $10,000 from nothing, you know, it's just an indication that you're starting to scratch the surface, but that people care and they want to see your work happen. And when you don't invest in fundraising, you're letting them down. You're letting the foster kids down. You're letting the... I have the complete opposite view in that people, there's so much money out there. Oh yeah. There is so much money and people want to give it and people aren't being asked. Mm -hmm. They aren't being showed what you do. They want to give the money and they're not, and I'm speaking from personal experience. I mean, I mean, I had, I had a recent situation where I raised $15,000 for this organization and this is an old, this is, well known, I know in the industry, and they didn't thank me. Wow, they, they, they didn't, th- and I was the largest producer of yeah. fundraising, and uh, you know, so why am I bringing this point up? In that I, I'm probably not going to raise the money for them again this yeah. year, right? And just to circle back, that's an operations problem. When you're not thanking your donors, when you're not stewarding yeah. them. That is a fun. That is a failure in your operations, and, and it's well known to happen in this industry. Oh my right? god, unbelievable! It, they, and by the yeah. way, I just I want to be clear. They thanked me at the the uh, the gala they had, mm-hmm. right? But after that, gone nothing. And I guarantee yeah. you, they're going to come back to me in a month from now when they start doing the fundraising again. Say, hey, you know, let's start raising money again. Yeah. and I'm going to be like, you know what? I don't know what I'm going to say yet, yeah. honestly, yeah. but um, but my point being is that people want to raise they money. Want to give. They, they want, want to give. raise money. They want to give, but you are going to lose if you don't have the internal resources to manage these programs on a continual basis. Yes. There's no value in having a big fundraising campaign if you cannot 
work, do the work consistently throughout the year to make sure it happens again successfully. And let's go back to something you said. So we, well, we do have to wrap this up. And that is, um, if you're a small organization and you kind of feel at that point, you know, like this point, listen, we can't afford a fractional consultant. It's just, we're just not there yet. Right. Go find somebody who'll do, who'll volunteer, who's got the expert, you know, who's got some expertise and go to them and say, listen, I, you know, it could even be someone who does it for a living and maybe is willing to do it as a volunteer, but ask them, say, you know, listen, I know you're a fundraising expert and do you think you could coach us up an hour or two a month for, you know, just to help us for the first year. And then we can look at this, uh, a paying, paying it. I mean, if you ask enough people, they're going to say yes. Mm -hmm. And fundraising is actually a very learnable skill. So you really just need someone who can show up consistently and again, invest in the resources and the training to get people to where they need to be. I mean, there's, I think fundraising is a very straightforward thing to learn if you learn, if you find the right resources. So well, it's also a core competency that if you don't yeah. have that, if you can't develop that, you don't have an organization, you don't yeah. have a nonprofit because oh, yeah. let's face it, fundraising is the name of the game. It's all yeah. fundraising. The rest of it can be learned as you go, but the fundraising, yeah. that's, in fact, if I was to put all my, my time and money into the number one most important thing, uh, it would be either finding somebody who can really help us uh, with the fundraising aspect of our organization or paying somebody for that. Yeah. 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 It's critical. Cool. All right. Uh, great. Uh, now you, your ex, your best thing just to close this out is that you have access to you, you, you know, all these people mm-hmm. you have access to old people. You can listen to the executive director and, and they'll tell you their story and you'll, you know, you say, this is what you need. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I can, I'm kind of like a matchmaker, so I can help organizations find the right person to work with. Yep, I got you. And to be clear, um, I guess I would assume it's the um, the consultant themselves who kind of pays you. Is that correct? Yeah, the organizations don't pay me for that. Um, I get paid in lots of other ways. And actually, the consultants, some sometimes they'll pay me for referrals, but sometimes not. Sometimes it's just a, a matchmaking, but they pay me for training and coaching and other cool. services I provide. Yeah. Good. All right. Well, it was a great podcast. I'd like to thank so very much Cindy Wagman from The Good Partnership uh, for coming on today's podcast. And if you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe in your favorite podcasting app. Uh, if you like today's podcast, please also give us a five-star review or any of the other podcasts it really helps us get the word out. And of course, if you're looking for a line of credit for your nonprofit, you can call us at 862-207-4118 or visit our website at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. Cindy, if anybody wants to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? Thegoodpartnership.com is the best way. Okay, great. Uh, thegoodpartnership.com. I think Cindy... It's a good person for everybody to know, to be honest with you out there. Um, So just to wrap it up, um, um, I want to remind everybody, as I always do, that as executive directors or as leaders of your organization, um, I know how much you care about your cause. However, if you don't take care of yourself, you are no good to your cause, your family, your friends. Uh, This is a marathon, not a sprint. And you need to think about yourself first 
every single day. That includes exercising, eating right, sleeping right. We all know the right things to do, but you have to understand that your energy level is key to the success of your organization. And you need to think of yourself first instead of the other people in your lives. Uh, I know it sounds uh, maybe a little cold, but it's the reality of the situation. And I see it all the time that people who are executive directors, they, they are such compassionate people. So please take good care of yourself. Other than that, Everybody have a great day. Get out there. It's summertime right now as the, this podcast. Everybody get out and smell the roses a little bit and enjoy yourself. Have a great day, everybody. 